Listening to preachers can be dangerous and do damage to your spiritual life. All preachers claim they're delivering God's message, but obviously some of them are not. They contradict each other, so somebody is not telling the truth. How do you know which preacher to listen to? In condemning false prophets, Ezekiel reveals how to distinguish between the true and the false preacher. So if you will turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 13, we'll see what he has to say about that, I think, important issue. This uh, chapter is divided into two parts. Uh, Ezekiel condemns false prophets. In the first part, he condemns false male prophets. And in the second part, he condemns false female prophets. So we're going to begin with verse 1, and he's talking about false male prophets. He says, The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets of Israel who prophesy and say to those who prophesy out of their own heart, hear the word of the Lord. Now what this verse is talking about is that there are prophets who are saying, hear the word of the Lord, but they're giving a message, note that little phrase, out of their own heart. So the Lord gave Ezekiel a message for the prophets who were not preaching his message. They were preaching messages out of their heart. Um, he uses the word prophet perhaps ironically, because they're not true prophets, but they claim to be true prophets. The message of the false prophets came from their own heart, their own imagination. So verse 3 says, Thus saith the Lord God, Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirits and have seen nothing. Since their message came from their own heart, he could rightly claim that they had seen nothing. Furthermore, he says they were foolish. They were fools. Can I give you my translation? Stupid. That's exactly what they are. Now, what is interesting is the latter part of verse 3 says, and have seen nothing. What does that mean? Well, as you'll recall, prophets got their message by seeing a vision or a dream. So when the Lord says they see nothing, he means they haven't seen a dream, they haven't seen a message, they haven't received a message from him. And as he says in verse 1, they prophesy out of their own heart. One author has said, in the same way that an impersonating a police officer is a crime in modern society because it harmfully defrauds people who trust and obey the police, impersonating a true prophet of the Lord was, by God's law, a fraudulent misleading of the Israelites in Ezekiel's day. Verse 4 says, O Israel, your prophets are like foxes in the desert. Not only were their messages false and untrue, it was also dangerous. 
the false prophets were like foxes in the desert. Uh, false religious leaders like foxes in the desert, always looking for prey in the midst of the desert, so to speak. Well, like a fox, a wild fox is looking for prey that he can destroy, uh, the false prophets are said to be like them. They're not only giving you a false message, but they're dangerous. That's his point. In verse 5, he says, You have not gone up into the gaps to build a wall for the house of Israel to stand in the battle on the day of the Lord. The false prophets, Ezekiel said, had not gone up to the breaks in the wall to repair it. Israel's moral walls were all ready to collapse, but the false prophets were doing nothing to help. The day of the Lord refers to the day of the coming judgment by the Babylonians. The only concern of foxes and of false prophets was their own welfare and self-interest. They contributed nothing to the welfare of other people. In verse 6, he says, They have been envisioned futility and false divination, saying, Thus saith the Lord. But the Lord has not sent them, yet they hope that the word may be confirmed. Interesting. When these prophets claimed to speak a message from the Lord, they were only uttering falsehood and presenting the results of deceptive pagan divination. The Lord had not sent them, yet they expected their prophecies to come to pass. Incredible. Continued in verse 7. Have you not seen a futile vision? And have you not spoken false divinations? You say, the Lord says, but I have not spoken. The Lord asked them if their claim to revelation from him was not just really a false vision. He is saying, I have not spoken. Interesting. I wonder if the Lord doesn't say that today when he hears some sermons from some preachers. The conclusion in verse 8 is, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, because you have spoken nonsense... And envision lies, therefore I indeed am against you, says the Lord. Boy, I'm telling you, I'm trembling my boots if I thought the Lord said that about my preaching. I'm against you? The false prophets claim to represent God, but he did not claim them. Because of their false words and lying visions, he was against them. My hand will be against the prophets who envision futility and who divine lies. They shall not be in the assembly of my people, nor be written in the record of the house of Israel, nor shall they enter the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord God. Whoa. This verse is saying false prophets would lose their influence. They would lose their Citizenship, they would lose their homeland. Let me go back to the verse and show you that. Verse 9, 
You shall not be in the assembly of my people. You're not going to be in the assemblies to influence others. You'll not be written in the record of the house of Israel. I guess that means you're going to lose your citizenship. And you shall not enter the land. You're going to lose your homeland. So this is what he means when he says, I'm against you. Uh, so after they prophesied, their false prophets proved false, they would lose their favor in the assembly. They would not be listed in Israel's record. They would, not, they would be excommunicated from the fellowship of Israel. They would never again enter the land of Israel. They would die as captives in a foreign land. He explains the reason in verse 10, because, indeed, because they have seduced my people, saying, peace, when there is no peace. And one builds a wall, and they plaster it, and with untempered martyr, say to those who plaster it with untempered martyr that it will fail. They will be flooding rain, and you, O great hailstone, shall fall, and the stormy wind shall tear it down. Judgment will come upon those people for misleading God's people by falsely predicting peace when no peace was coming. The literal interpretation understands God to be saying that when the residents of Jerusalem build their walls, and houses, believing that they were secure, the false prophets were supporting their efforts by adding the whitewash. They should have warned them to prepare for coming judgment rather than helping them beautify the walls of their homes. The coming divine judgment would descend on Jerusalem like a rainstorm with hailstones and violent winds and would destroy their beautifully whitewashed walls. Now that's if you take the verse literally. Some have suggested the metaphorical interpretation, which most commentators like, is to understand that God is saying that these false prophets are putting a good front on the situation in Jerusalem, saying peace rather than judgment was coming. They were compounding Israel's difficulties by hiding problems that needed to be exposed and corrected. Ezekiel was to tell them that the invasion would come like a rainstorm with hailstones and violent winds, and that their facade of the future for the people would come crashing down on them. So the verse could be taken literally, or it could be taken Figuratively, one commentator says the false prophets were saying peace, whereas Ezekiel was predicting destruction. Their deceptive ministry was like a flimsy wall. Instead of calling Israel's attention to the serious crack in their moral foundation, these prophets were dabbling in pastor to hide the deficiencies. The white plaster formed from the chalk deposits in Israel was used to plaster over the rocks that formed a wall of most homes. This plaster hid unseen rocks beneath the smooth surface. The prophets 
were compounding Israel's difficulty by hiding problems that needed to be exposed. Interesting. Goes on in verse 12 to say, Surely, when the wall has fallen, will it not be said to you, Where is the martyr to which you plastered it? Now, clearly, we're using this figure of the plastering on the front of the house. In this verse 12, he says, When the walls, or the picture of the future of Jerusalem that the false prophets had painted, had collapsed, the people would ask the question. They would question the material out of which the wall was constructed, either the literal wall or their false speculation. It would prove inadequate and unreliable. So he says in verse 13, Therefore, thus saith the Lord, I will cause a, storm, a stormy wind to break forth in my fury, and there shall be a flooding rain in my anger and great hailstones in fury to consume it. Heavy rain, hailstones, violent wind would beat against the wall and it would collapse. So I will break down the wall that you have plastered with untempered martyr and bring it down to the ground so that its foundation will be removed, it will fall, you will be consumed in the midst of it, then you shall know that I am the Lord God. The Lord promised to send a violent storm of judgment on his people in Jerusalem to destroy the people's homes and the false prophets' visions of the future. Then the foundation of their home and the false prophets' vision would lie exposed for all to see that the false prophets themselves would perish in judgment. And then they would know that the Lord is God. Thus, I will accomplish my wrath on the wall and on those who have plastered it with untempered martyr. And I will say to you, the wall is no more, nor those who plaster it that is, the prophets of Israel who prophesy concerning Jerusalem, who see visions of peace for her when there is no peace, says the Lord God. The Lord would destroy both the people's homes or the false vision of these false prophets. What an interesting development. So, in these verses, the first 16, he's clearly saying the false male prophets will be judged. Now, as I said at the beginning, this chapter is divided into two parts. And the second part talks about the female prophets. Look at verse 17. Likewise, son of man... Set your face against the daughters of your people who prophesy out of their own heart. Prophesy against them. Now this is the verse that divides the chapter. It echoes what was said back in verse 1. That is, in verse 1, he said, Son of man, prophesy against the prophets in Israel who prophesy in, uh, out of their own heart. 
And he's clearly talking about men. Now, unmistakably, in verse 17, the subject changes to the daughters of your people, females, who do the same thing. They prophesy out of their own heart. So in verse 17, the Lord directs Ezekiel to speak judgment to the female false prophets who concocted their own message and passed it off as divine revelation. In verse 18, he says, And say, this is what they are saying, Thus saith the Lord God, Woe to the women who sew magic charms on their sleeves and make veils on the heads of the people of every height to hide souls. Will, not, uh, will you hurt the soul of my people and keep yourself alive? These prophetesses sewed charms on their waist and made veils uh, for their heads. The Hebrew word translated uh, magic charm occurs only in the Old Testament in this passage, in verse 18 and again in verse 20. This practice probably came from the Babylonian magic rituals in which the magical knot or bands were bound in various parts of the body to ward off evil spirits or heal disease. These, these could be called good luck charms with supposedly magical powers. The veils were long veils that were placed on their head and perhaps even covered their whole bodies, uh, probably with the impression of being mysterious. Uh, the purpose of these magic charms and mysterious veils was to ensnare the people, especially in times of uncertainty and turmoil. These charlatans seemed to prey on the fears of the gullible. Says in verse 19, And will you profane me among my people for handfuls of barley and a piece of bread, killing people who should not die and keeping people alive who should not live by my lying to my people who listen to lies? This is a really interesting verse. Ezekiel was to announce judgment on those who indulged in these occult practices and perverted justice for only a little food or as a means of deviation. These women had been willing to put some to death who did not deserve to die and save others from death who deserved to die. This was the result of they're lying to God's people who love to listen to lies. J. Vernon McGee, commenting on this passage, said, What these women were doing was going uh, out uh, with a little something on their arm to keep you from getting sick or to protect you from harm. They gave you a handkerchief, which they had prayed over that it would help you get well, as if there were merit in it rather than in the Lord. And as Dr. McGee says, my friend, what you see, about to, you see today is not new. 
It's as old as the human race, end of quote. I just thought it was interesting. Uh, this is what they do to fool the people. It happens today. Verse 20 says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I'm against your magic charms by which you hurt souls like birds. I will tear them from your arms and let the souls go, the souls you have hurt like birds. In other words, the Lord promised to oppose their practices by using magic bands to hunt down these innocent lives. God said his anger would vent against the false prophetesses and that he would neutralize their power. In verse 21, he says, I will also tear off your veil and deliver my people out of your hand, and they shall no longer be as prey in your hand. Then you will know I am the Lord. He would tear their bands from their arms and release the people from these false prophetesses who they had snared like birds. He would tear off their veils that they used to hunt the innocent and free those who had been hunted down. These women were using some sort of magic to control the people. Then these false prophecies would know when God got done with them that he is the Lord God. He explains in verse 22, Because with lies you have made the heart of the righteous sad, whom I have not made sad, and you have strengthened the hand of the wicked, so that he does not turn from his wicked way to save his life. The prophetesses had disheartened the righteous with their lies and encouraged the wicked not to turn from their evil ways. This directly opposed God's purposes for his people. The conclusion is in verse 23. Therefore, you shall no longer envision futility nor divine divination, for I will deliver my people out of your hand, and you shall know I am the Lord. Because these false prophetesses discourage the righteous with falsehood without authorization, and encourage the wicked to continue in their wickedness, they would no longer see false visions or practice divination. They would die. The Lord would deliver his people from their deadly hands, and they would know that he is the Lord. When God judges prophetesses, the people would realize that these women were lying, period. Interesting chapter. Very simple. They're false prophets and they're false prophetesses. They're false male prophets. They're false female prophetesses. So the point of this chapter is false prophets and prophetesses will be judged by God because they preach their message, not his. One of the keys of this chapter is they prophesied out of their own heart. Therefore, 
God would judge them. One author has written, Modern-day fortune-tellers are rather similar to the women described in this passage. Fortune-tellers, interestingly, are usually women, and they tend to dress in a rather an elaborate manner, often wearing clothes or jewelry associated with the cult art, comparable to the muffs uh, of the prophetesses in ancient Israel. They tend to give their advice in dark rooms where the attitude of the inquirer is influenced in an eerie way. And this corresponds to the veil put over the inquirer in, Israel's, in Ezekiel's uh, description. They are paid for what they do, just as the ancient women were. And their advice is always dangerous because it leads people astray from the truth of God. The truth being that the only way to live and not die eternally. They are frauds who envision lies because of their predictions and fabrications are made from their own minds. Just as was done in Ezekiel's time. End of quote. I thought that was an interesting comparison, that that kind of thing goes on in our day. As a matter of fact, you can find fortune tellers within a short distance from my church and virtually all over the country, especially in major cities. All such occult practices are condemned by the word of God. So perhaps I should end with a passage in Deuteronomy chapter 18. The passage on this subject. Deuteronomy 18 verses 10 and 11 say, and I quote, There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or daughter pass through the fire, or one who practices witchcraft, or a soothsayer, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who conjures spells, or a median, or a spiritualist, or one who calls up the dead. You need to underscore that verse. I think it is pertinent to kinds of stuff that happened today. So I began with the question, uh, pointing out there were false uh, preachers and true preachers, and asked, how do you tell the difference? And the answer is what I just gave you. Ezekiel chapter 13 is describing the fact that they got it from their own heart. And I ended by quoting Deuteronomy 18. That ought to tell you everything. Here's the bottom, bottom line. The way to determine which preacher to listen to is to find the one that shows you in the Bible what God says. That's the way you test. Is it coming from their own imagination or is it coming from the word of God? Father, thank you for giving us your word, giving us a revelation of your will. And Father, thank you for giving us this warning that not everybody who claims to be giving your will is doing so. 
Give us the discernment to look at your word to see what you said rather than what they say. In Jesus' name, amen.